Life is hard. Life with chronic, critical, and complex health concerns is even harder. We all know someone who is struggling with health issues or disability. It might even be you. And in the pain and suffering, we wonder if it's possible to move from surviving to thriving. We struggle to hope, struggle to persevere, struggle to trust that God knows what he's doing. But in the struggle, there is real hope, and it's possible to be rooted and ready to weather the storm. Welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. Your husband and wife team, Brandon and Amy Smith. The Bluestem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and we give you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. I'm on part two, uh, answering the question that is often asked, where is God when bad things happen? And in the previous episode, I talked about the reality of suffering in our fallen, broken world. No one is really going to argue with that. But specifically, I talked about the emotional problem that suffering exerts on us. We have this very visceral reaction sometimes in the midst of the flames of affliction, if you could call it that, uh, that requires someone and his resources to calm and comfort and to carry us through. It is uh, pretty common for people to wonder when the emotions are raging, where is God? And I pointed you to the truth that in God, we have a being who is close to the brokenhearted, doesn't leave his people, knows our suffering in the way that he knows everything, but also knows it experientially and has suffered for us. So in this episode, what I want to do is talk about the more philosophical side of of the argument, uh, the logical problem of evil and suffering. And I also want to hit on a couple other questions that often come up. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why doesn't God stop or end evil and suffering right now? But first, let me explain what the logical problem of evil and suffering is. It goes something like this. A a skeptic, uh, an agnostic, or an atheist would say to a Christian, hey, you believe that an all-powerful, all-loving God exists, but evil and suffering also exists. And wouldn't an all-powerful God be able to eliminate evil and suffering? And wouldn't an all-loving God want to? And yet here we are, evil and suffering still exist. Therefore, the all-powerful, all-loving God you Christians believe in doesn't exist or probably doesn't exist. That's the, the basics of the argument. But let me point something out. There's a, an accusation in there that's based on an assumption that if human beings can't think of a good reason for the pain and suffering or the evil that exists in the world, then there isn't one. Let me, let me just give you an example. I, I have a, a six-month-old named Bridger, and I hope uh, he enjoys the wilderness. And at some point, you know, maybe I'll take him canoeing in the wilderness. I've done this with our older son, Brody. And let's just say for the sake of example, I take him out when he's, say, four years old. And we're out... And at one point, he falls and really gashes his leg on a rock. And it's deep. uh, It's a very deep wound. What I would do as a loving father is I I would know, you know, we're perhaps multiple days away from getting out of the wilderness into medical attention, that I need to clean the wound. And so I'm going to use some type of alcohol to clean the wound. And that's really going to cause him pain. Well, all he knows with his level 
of understanding of the world is that his daddy is inflicting pain upon him. See, the problem is he doesn't have all the information I have about infection and what uh, could go wrong and how it could be worse. All he sees is daddy is hurting me. He doesn't have all the information I have. And likewise, as finite human beings, we do not have all the information that God has. He has a vantage point way beyond ours and an intellect way beyond ours. He is infinite. We are finite. And so what really ends up happening is that the burden of proof is actually on the skeptic to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God could not have morally sufficient reasons for the evil and suffering that exist. And as philosophers have debated the question over time, uh, one philosopher, William Alston, said this, the idea that evil disproves the existence of God is now acknowledged on almost all sides to be completely bankrupt. So the Christian says God is all-loving, he's all-powerful, but he's also omniscient. He knows everything. We don't have all the information he has, and if we did, we would agree with him that there are morally sufficient reasons for the evil and suffering that exist. But because we are finite, essentially we have to end up trusting that he knows what he's doing. Think about just for a second God's powers of reason and ours. Like, God has never had to do homework. At your job or school, we got to figure things out. God has never had to figure anything out. He knows all things instantly at all times. I, I love this example. I am, I am not a scientist, uh, but some of the statistics and the precision of which the universe operates are just astounding, okay? Think about this. The, the gravitational constant, if it varied by 1 in 10 to the 60th parts, life could not exist in our universe. Or to, to give you maybe another picture of this, if we took a ruler and you looked at it, you know, it's marked off by inches, and then put it out 13 billion light years long, Okay, And if this is the continuum with, on which the gravitational constant could land, if it was off by one inch, the universe would have essentially expanded or contracted in a way that would not permit it to exist and life to exist. Fred Hoyle, who is an astrophysicist and cosmologist at Cambridge, said this about the gravitational constant, and there's about two dozen uh, of these uh, constants in physics that exist that allow our, our universe to be life-permitting. He said, a common-sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super-intellect has monkeyed with physics and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put the conclusion almost beyond question. So I give you this example to suggest and posit that there is a being with an incredible mind and intellect that has reasons for the suffering you and I experience and for the existence currently of evil in the world. So this podcast primarily uh, I talk about and my wife and I talk about 
the suffering that exists in medical hardship and disability. And I'm giving you uh, a philosophical argument about the existence of evil and suffering uh, that is often used to disprove the existence of God. Let me, let me just focus in for a second on the reality of evil and how some skeptics try to use the existence of evil to disprove that God exists. And I want you to think about this for a second. If you're going to say that something is evil, that is a moral judgment. But how do we actually make a true moral objective judgment that something is evil if God does not exist? See, if, if God does not exist, all value judgments about morality and evil are only related to personal preference. It's what I think versus what you think versus what person C thinks. So to call something evil requires a standard. So in other words, you have to actually say that God exists. But in, in this argument, the existence of evil is being used to disprove that God exists. This really doesn't work. It's called the boomerang effect. So since you throw a boomerang out, and it turns and comes back and hits you uh, in the face, and it demolishes your own argument. And so the skeptic ends up basically cutting uh, the floor out from under his own argument. I have sometimes heard people, you know, ask in the midst of the suffering that they experience, you know, well, why doesn't God just stop it or end it, this, this evil and this suffering right now? But again, let me, let me go back to, like, what is evil? If you're going to say that something is objectively evil, that requires the existence of God. And evil is anything that is morally bad or wrong, right? It's murder, rape, lying, stealing, cheating. And if you think about it, do you want God to just stop a little bit of the evil, or do you want him to stop all of it? Uh, what about, like, do you want it to stop at the murder, murder level, the lying level? But what about, say, the thinking level? And if we really go and, and are honest with ourselves, we realize, especially when, when I point out just the thinking level, uh, we have had evil thoughts in our heart towards people and sometimes towards God. And we have evil actions. You ever lied, cheated, stole, hated, made fun of? You ever ignored God or be indifferent to his existence in the universe? The, the scriptures tell us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 6.23. And if we're going to be consistent and we're going to say, God, you know, I just want you to get rid of evil, well, he does need to get rid of all of it, not just some of it. And that would mean that he would be eliminating us right now as well. See, the, the problem is that evil is not just out there in the world. It's also in here, right? It's in our own hearts. And so... I don't know about you, but I'm glad God has had patience with the evil and suffering in the world because I have done evil things and I have caused suffering. And he does promise to get rid of all evil and suffering in the future, eventually when, when Christ returns um, and he creates the new heavens and the new earth. Think about this verse in, in 2 Peter 3, 9 that kind of sums us up. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so God has a patience towards us and will get rid of evil and suffering in the end, but has given us a time period 
to repent. Another common question that I've heard is, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And I want to perhaps suggest that that's the wrong questions, or the wrong question. A better question would be, why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? You see, we have an astounding nature. We are made in God's image. So there's something just amazing about humanity and human beings. But we're also morally corrupt. And we have an incredible, if you look at human history, like we have an incredible capacity for cruelty. So we're both made in God's image, and yet we have original sin. Like in Romans 3, it says there's no one righteous, not, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks for God. That's the, the disposition of every human being, right? In, in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So in light of our moral corruptness and our evil, it's actually really amazing that God bestows and allows us to experience so many blessings in light of what we actually truly deserve. And then think about this for a second. The only truly good person, Jesus, who is without sin, had the worst things happen to him. He's crucified and he bears the wrath of God the Father for sins. Listen to this. In Acts 4.27, it says this, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So here you have the only good person, Jesus, experiencing the very worst by God's plan and foreknowledge that we might have the opportunity to find forgiveness and to be reconciled to God himself. I know this was a a pretty introductory and, and you could say even brief treatment of the philosophical question of the problem uh, of evil and suffering. There certainly is a lot more you can look into and go deeper with. And if that is a, a sincere question you have, I encourage you to do so. But I do want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Bluestem Project. It has been a pleasure having you. And again, we want to remind you that the Bluestem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. It'd be an honor to take this journey with you. Please do hit the subscribe button and tell a friend or family member experiencing health issues and medical disability about the Bluestem Project. Music